Welcome back, everyone. My name is Martin Foster, and you're listening to the 692nd Podcast. With me today is kind of a, we wanted to do this last-minute pod sesh. Uh, joining me is the Group Superintendent, Chief Master Sergeant uh, Warren Trish. Chief, what's on your mind? How you doing? I'm doing well. I guess uh, we're here to talk about current events. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think uh, for full transparency, uh, you and I know this, but the, the listeners may not, you know, uh, I think it was the day before yesterday, uh, you had sent me a text, um, like with most texts that I received during the duty day, uh, I didn't actually get a chance to respond to it uh, until hours later, but as yeah. I was on my way home, I saw that you had text, text uh, asking if you can give me a call about an idea that you had, and um, I was like, absolutely, and um, it, it was then that you, you know, I'd asked if I had seen the post that Chief Wright uh, had put on Facebook. And uh, you, you really wanted to uh, uh, do a, a quick turn on a podcast with me. Yeah. And I thought it was a fantastic idea. And so, you know, here we are, um, you know, uh, having, we're getting ready to have some real talk. So, yeah, uh, I think it's great. Um, you know, I, I jumped at the opportunity. And so that's why, why we are here today is to, you know, kind of, you know, explore some of the discussions and dialogue that are uh, being had currently uh, across our group and across the nation and, um, you know, uh, just kind of, you know, tease it out. So so I have a, a lot of different, typically I don't really plan questions, I just kind of go based off the conversation, but I did have a couple of talking points. Uh, before I kind of ask you uh, what's, again, like what's on your mind uh, as a follow-up, I want, I want to start off, like, how tough is it for leaders to... Or why is it so tough for leaders to kind of maybe take action or address these, uh, whether it's race or sex or even politics, why is it tough for leaders to address this stuff head on? So I, one man's opinion, I think that um, especially when you're dealing with uh, sensitive issues, that uh, some it is not easy to uh, uh, strike a balance when it comes to sensitive topics, right? Um, because everybody, uh, regardless of whether you're in a leadership position or you're, uh, or you're not, um, it's kind of one of those things when they talk about, you probably should shy away from discussions about politics and religion. Um, you know, I, you could categorize race relations uh, and lump that into uh, those other two topics, right? You know, because it can be very difficult, yeah. right? Because you know, it is it is a topic that can become uh, very emotionally charged, um, and so you know, as as a leader, um, if you don't have the courage, right, or if the environment isn't one to which it uh, uh, cultivates uh, healthy and professional discussions, and when it comes to the topics of, of race, um, then it, it obviously it is not going to happen the way that it that it could and should happen at times, and so um, yeah. No, so um, you mentioned about like talking about these uh, these subjects, because I, I know this is we always I've been in for close to eighteen years. We always hear people talking about hey, we need to have real talk, real conversations. But um, especially with, with resiliency, because when I think about this overall, you know, resilience it's supposed to be a way to connect. But what are your thoughts on? We're supposed to connect with airmen at all levels, all ranks, races, ages, but then we're not talking about everything, every subject that's on people's mind or what's weighing on people's heart. So just, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? So as a senior leader, I think, you know, we do a lot of, 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 preaching and pulpitting and, you know, getting on our soapbox, uh, uh, trying to inspire people to be one way, right? Especially as we're trying to grow our replacements, especially in the military. You know, I know I've, I, I do it all the time, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I have tried to uh, inspire and coach, um, you know, current leaders and future leaders, you know, at lower levels to, uh, be uncom- be comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Especially because we have such a diverse force, and um, oftentimes, 
our members could be struggling with a lot of social issues that, uh, you know, if you're not, uh, uh, if you lack a certain level of emotional intelligence, um, you know, you may be blind to some of the barriers that could uh, enable uh, the people that you're leading to uh, perform at optimal level, right? And so if you um, are, are hesitant to, to have real talk or real discussions or at least, you know, get to a place to where you're willing to seek understanding um, because of the way we leverage diversity within our military ranks, that, uh, you know, we can say all day that we want to be the best leader that, 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 that we can be. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people out there that, you know, may watch this or listen to this uh, uh, seek knowledge on how to improve their leadership skills. But, you know, at its, at its core, um, you know, the, by definition, when we talk about leadership, you are trying to influence another human being. And, uh, you know, I truly believe that... Um, the only way you're, you're really ever going to do that effectively is through, um, you know, having some type of ability to empathize with the person that uh, you have been charged with uh, leading. And uh, when I talk about, you know, uh, empathizing, you know, there's, there's a, a key to that equation, which is understanding, right? And so, you know, take you and I, for example, um, we don't look the same, we didn't grow up the same way, you know, you have totally different experience in life uh, than, than, I, than I did. And so, you know, when we start to peel back that onion, um, it's hard for me to believe that, you know, if, if I was introduced to you um, for the first time as your supervisor, that I would immediately have a level of, of trust from you and uh, uh, a level of understanding about you um, to where I had complete and utter influence when it came to getting you uh, to do certain things that, that uh, was required uh, as in regards to the mission or you know maybe uh, push you outside of your comfort zone to achieve goals that maybe you had told me about um, uh, so I, I really you know I, you know that's that's just on the surface right when you when you when we're peeling back that onion that's just on the surface right those are kind of textbook kind of uh, tactics that, you know, we need to be aware of as leaders that, hey, I probably need to get to know the people that I'm actually leading. But, and I feel like a lot of times where the buck stops is when you start to get into uh, emotionally uncomfortable uh, uh, topics or uh, situations or, or, uh, or social issues that uh, that could prevent and, and inhibit communication um, and uh, w which will halt any any type of, of understanding so um, you know that's kind of a, a, a long response to 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 your question but um, but yeah uh, you know I, I, I truly believe that you know you gotta you gotta start somewhere and it starts with you know uh, building that uh, that that understanding and um, you know trying to break down, all right, who is, you know, if I was your supervisor, who is, who is Martin Foster, right? Martin Foster isn't just Senior Master Sergeant 1 and 2 Charlie um, that, uh, you know, is getting ready to PCS to uh, Ohio, right? Yeah, there's depth to you. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't claim to know, um, you know, if you were bullied, you know, as a child, if you come from a broken home um, or, or, or maybe your social environment, you know, you... You, you had a family who had some, some racist views, right? But uh, through your experience in the military, um, you, you started to see things differently or you've always seen things differently. Or maybe you're, you're a person of faith and you're driven, your value system is driven by, you know, your belief in, in you know, a, a higher power, right? Um, there's a lot of, of levels to it, but you know, I, I would never know that unless I took the time to sit down and, and better understand what makes you you, and and what impacts your worldview, what drives the way you see uh, the world. So, all right, uh, thanks. For, that's a great response. So, and I'm just here to listen. Yeah. Before I press further, Chief, I just want to kind of go back to the initial how I started off, like, and it, and he did. 
you did answer, but I just wanted to see if you want to elaborate more. Uh, so what's on your mind? Like, is there something like specific or um, did you have some talking points that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I actually wanted to, um, I just wanted to read off some names. Sure. Right. So bear with me. All right. Ahmaud Arbery, shot and killed by two white men while he was jogging. Brianna Taylor, shot and killed when police stormed her home in the hunt for a suspect already in custody. Tamir Rice, 12 years old, shot and killed by police while holding a toy gun. Michael Brown, shot and killed by Ferguson police while unarmed. Botham Jean, shot and killed by off-duty officer who went to his apartment by mistake thinking it was hers. Atatiana Jefferson, shot and killed in her home by police while playing video games with her nephew. Eric Garner, choked out by police while selling loose cigarettes. Freddie Gray, died of injuries sustained after being physically mishandled by police during an arrest. Philando Castile, shot seven times at point blank and killed by police after being pulled over for a traffic stop and notifying the officer that he had a licensed firearm and went to retrieve his registration upon request. Trayvon Martin, shot and killed by a community watch member during their altercation. Laquan McDonald, shot 16 times and killed by police while holding a pocket knife. Sandra Bland, committed suicide in jail after being wrongfully put in jail for a traffic violation. Alton Sterling, shot six times and killed by police while selling CDs on the corner. John Crawford, shot and killed by police in Walmart while he was on the phone and walking around fiddling with the pellet gun he picked up in the store. Walter Scott, shot five times in the back and killed by police as he fled after being pulled over for a broken taillight. Oscar Grant, shot in the back while unarmed and killed by police after they responded to a report of an altercation on a train. Sean Bell, shot and killed when police shot 50 times into his vehicle as he fled the scene of an altercation. Amadou Diallo, shot 19 times and killed by police for mistaken identity. Nicholas Thomas, shot in the back and killed while police attempted to issue a warrant. So there are many, many other names that uh, um, could fill out that list. And, and this is just within the past like five or six years, seven years, something. Less than that. Yeah. Right. So 99% yeah. uh, uh, of those names uh, were, were uh, uh, reports that we know about um, that received media attention. Um, and uh, we're in the news, you know, mm -hmm. after after a Google search. But uh, you know, there's there's many many more names, countless names, some of whom uh, uh, we will never know about, right? Um, and, I, and I think the, the the point to to reciting that list is that when we talk about George Floyd and we see what is currently happening uh, within our nation, um, and and we start to to. Uh, <laughs> think about how we as a military service and with such diverse force uh, try to come to grips with um, talking about uh, the, the issue of race relations you know, um, within our country because the military is a reflection of our society you know, just, just on a smaller scale. That, um, you know, it's sobering. It's sobering to, to, to really think about um, uh, how often uh, a situation like in George Floyd's death, how often that happens, um, and uh, uh, you know, just based off of that list right there, um, you know, it's sometimes gets you get saturated with with so much um, I'm actually at a loss for words, you know, to to uh, describe um, the the emotional state that uh, one such as someone as myself would feel uh, turning on the news and yet again uh, seeing a report of, of somebody that looks like me that could have been me yeah. that uh, uh, loses their life unnecessarily, you know, at the hands of. of uh, people who were obviously uh, put in place to serve and protect. Um, and then where does, where, does, where does that leave me as an African-American male, uh, you know, serving our country and then being asked to then, you know, uh, put my feelings aside and then um, 
you know, uh, go to work and, and take care of the mission, right? And uh, uh, it's it's powerful, right? And it's and it's it's something that is not easy uh, to to uh, to discuss, right? Yeah. In, in a professional environment, um, especially uh, a profession like ours, um, to where uh, you know our nation depends on us to do um, some some pretty important things, and uh, you know we can never lose focus um, because uh, what we do is bigger. It's it's bigger than some of the social issues that we that we currently have going on in our society. But you know, don't for one second think that uh, those social issues don't impact some of our airmen's ability to be at be at their best when they when they show up to work. Right? Um, you know, uh, I, I've done a lot of uh, research here in our group about um, some of the resources that we have available to our airmen when it comes to trying to get left of bang to prepare them to uh, deal with stressors in in many facets of their life um, uh, so they can show up to work and be you know 100% or at least as close to 100% but when things like this happen in our in our communities and, and in our society you know for some uh, you know I, I would venture to say that some of our airmen can turn on the, the news right now and probably you know a family member a friend uh, um, or an acquaintance that is, you know, marching uh, in protest yeah. in one of the many cities, you know, across our nation. And so, um, you know, it was it was not surprising, you know, as I Zoom chatted for two to three hours with my family members this past weekend that, um, you know, other family members were reaching out, you know, if they because I have family in Chicago, right, one of the places where, you know, um, some of the, the protests have been getting uh, a little violent and out of hand, right? You know, some of my family members calling to check on them to make sure that they're okay. You know, I, this is happening all over the place. So, you know, now I, I, I turn that and put that in the direction of, you know, some of our airmen um, who uh, may be also struggling with coming to terms with their own feelings about the situation potentially, you know, coming from environments where this stuff is going on, maybe even having family members that are impacted by, you know, what is currently happening uh, on the mainland uh, in, in our country. And, uh, you know, uh, the business that we are in charge with doing here uh, within the intelligence community is one where you need to be mentally fit, spiritually fit, physically fit to, to you know, execute. And so, um, I find it hard to believe that uh, for some of our members uh, that when they show up to work and are being asked to uh, deal with some already complex problems uh, to help our senior leaders uh, make some, some important decisions uh, for our nation about you know um, uh, things that are happening in, in our AOR that uh, our men and women uh, aren't able to focus. Chief, I want to actually just focus. Like you mentioned, the word focus. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you have? Did you no, want to? No, I was saying up. That was long. No, that's as good. I mean, that's as good. Uh, I'm glad we're having this conversation because that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation because uh, I want to. I want to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole and just to be just to be direct because you know we expect people, we we ask people, or need people uh, in the military, especially in our community, the IC, that. Everything, everything matters, like in terms of like work, right? Like we need people because there's the world technology is changing at a rapid pace. Our competitors are advancing. But how can we expect black men and women in the military to uh, stay focused when they are given reasons to distrust society and government as a whole? Because it's uh, this is not something we've always necessarily talked about at, at, in large groups or like in, out in open forums before, but it's absolutely something that impacts people's like mental health and you know uh, emotional health and stress and all those different things, but uh, various pillars. But um, I just want to ask that question to you. Yeah, I think um, you know that's a, that's a fair question, um, and I think that uh, we're fortunate uh, because of the environment that uh, we've created. Uh, within the Air Force and you know across the, the service branches, right? You know, I, I, I would venture to say that you know most of the people that are currently serving um, uh, in military service, you know, they get it. You know, they get that. Um, you know, what we do is is bigger than us, right? It's 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 
it, it, you know, the, the profession of arms is, is something in and of itself that uh, uh, when you are when you, when you raise your right hand to say that you know you, you are potentially willing to pay the ultimate or make the ultimate sacrifice um, if it comes to that um, to you know defend our way of life that you know that is although although our nation isn't perfect that um, you know uh, we all can appreciate that we're proud to be yeah you know American citizens now that doesn't mean that uh, uh, you know men and women of color don't uh, have their own opinions and aren't uh, going to be impacted by social injustices that are uh, currently happening and have been happening for quite some time um, because, you know, we're human beings. We, we, we think, we feel, we have, you know, our own thoughts um, that drive kind of how we view the world, uh, which for, for all of us in uniform, you know, uh, we spend a majority of our time in the workplace. And so, you know, I, that would be bizarre that, you know, you would turn on the news or look, look at a newspaper, if people still get newspapers, um, or, you know, check out the news feed on your, on your smartphone and see stuff like this going on and, and not be impacted. And, and you go to work and you just turn it off. You know, you could put it, put it in a bin. You know, what happens generally um, is that, you know, with some of those names that I read off or, you know, you, you pick a situation that is egregious um, that, uh, the conversations are being had. It's just not necessarily being had uh, within, you know, many professional environments, right? And so, to get at your question, you know, I think that you know, there's, there would never be a worry that um, people would falter um, because of a lack of trust in, you know, uh, certain elements within uh, uh, <coughs> political structure or or how uh, the justice system is responding to certain uh, issues, whether it's in our, our military service or, you know, uh, uh, and, and for our civilian counterparts that, um, you know, since we raised our hand to serve, that uh, we're, we're, we're here to serve, right? And so yeah. um, I think that uh, speaks volumes about what it, you know, the type of, the caliber of, of people that we have uh, in, Department of Defense. So that's a great response. It's um, especially just within the six and eight second, we definitely have um, just amazing. It seems like there's a hundred all stars at least and uh, across the group. So I wanted to ask a two part question based on some of the things you were saying. So uh, the first part is during this time, like you as a group superintendent what do you want from leaders, right? And when I say leaders, I'm talking about the leaders that you oversee, so like maybe the flight chiefs and, you know, and just senior enlisted, right, senior NCOs. And also leaders, because as group superintendent, like you're high in the food chain, but there's also a lot of people that you have to answer to at the wing and NAF and all that stuff too, right? So first part, what do you want from leaders? Second part, separately, and this is something that really resonated with me that when Chief Wright said this uh, in, his, um, in his post that he uh, published over the weekend, He's a black man who happens to be the chief master in the Air Force, right? So this, my, my second part of the question, as, uh, as a black male who just happens to be the group superintendent, what do you want from leaders? So to answer the first part of the question, I think that, um, you know, we, I feel like we don't have a choice but to, you know, engage some, in, in some type of dialogue with the, uh, uh, the members of our, of our teams, right? And so what I would ask for the, the leadership uh, within, within our group is to um, not walk into some of your uh, discussions that you may have with uh, the members of your, your organization thinking that you're going to come up with a solution to the litany of issues that, um, you know, uh, that maybe have been identified, you know, because Chief Wright talked about uh, calling for a review on the uh, UCMJ and, you know, come up, kind of uh, some of the, the, the lack of diversity when you see, you know, people of, of higher ranks and grades, um, you know, that's not on us to, to, to come together and, and solve these problems, right? I would ask that our leadership um, provides an opportunity for people that want to be heard um, 
give them a form to express themselves, uh, you know, obviously professionally. Um, but then also, uh, I think it's very important for a lot of our leaders to uh, take it upon themselves to deliberately seek greater understanding about, at its core, what the root issues are that would drive opinions, what's, what's, what's kind of been the inflection point to the protest, because it's not just about the protest, it's not just about all those names that I read uh, off of that list, um, including George Floyd. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a very complex, you know, the issues of race relations um, is, is very complex, right? Um, so, uh, but you gotta start somewhere, right? Just ignoring it and, um, you know, maybe uh, keeping your opinion to yourself and, you know, or, or uh, hoping that all of this blows over, like, it potentially very well could, just like with a lot of, of uh, uh, topics that we've been asked to talk about, like suicide uh, and within our ranks. Um, keep the conversation going, you know, uh, because that's the only way you're going to uh, gain better understanding and different perspectives. Um, because uh, I'll tell you what, I don't know at all. Chief Trish doesn't have the answers. Yeah. Um, and, and I myself, uh, and driven to learn more, learn about, you know, uh, where we've been uh, to better understand where we could even possibly go, right? Um, if you don't, if you don't have no idea, if you're confused about why people protest to begin with, right, maybe that's a great place to start. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, uh, smart people uh, in our group, uh, a lot of uh, uh, analytical thinkers. Yeah. Um, and I know uh, many people within our ranks are capable of, of doing extensive research and, and educating themselves on certain aspects about what they're saying. And uh, you know, I would encourage people at, at a minimum to quote unquote do the knowledge, right? Go out there and, and seek, seek uh, answers and information um, to, to reshape how you can approach uh, leadership and, and having dialogues about tough situations or um, kind of, uh, you know, uh, being a part of the solution and being an ally versus, you know, just hoping the problem goes away and, and thinking that, yeah, two months from now, nobody's going to be talking about this. It's going to be another distraction uh, on the news, um, you know, so. Yeah, because, right, because coronavirus was the big thing before yeah. that. Uh, Tiger King, something, you know, I've talked yeah. extensively about, yeah. but. Um, and that's what I hope. I hope this, this this focus does not go away because it's something that in order to to heal, like we have to continue having these conversations yeah. moving forward. And I, and you know to piggyback on that, you know I, I just want to say that I think it's important because you know with unlike uh, many other things that um, you know as a black man, right? You know as Chief Wright put in his thing, you know I'm a black man who just happens to be the Chief Master in the Air Force. Um, these issues are something that I and everybody that looks like me has dealt with their entire life, right? Yeah. So this is, this is, this is nothing new um, for us to yet again come to terms with our emotions and our feelings about, you know, an effed up situation that happened that, that is gaining media attention. <clears throat> and so, you know, I, I would ask that, um, uh, you know, my wife and I were talking about it, and I think it comes down to emotional intelligence, right? Um, you know, a lot of our leadership maybe wanting to to find out what I can do, you know, how, how, how can I be a part of, of what is going on because I agree that this is this is not right, things are not right. And I think you can start with, you know, understanding, you know, your own emotional intelligence, um, you know, and 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 that will have an impact, right? You know, your ability to not necessarily put yourself in the shoes of somebody who who looks like me. Yeah, but uh, you know, again, understanding, you know, what the struggle is to 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 then better uh, uh, engage in that those those tough tough talks, you know, that that real talk, you know, those 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 hard conversations when it comes to you know issues that will that will happen again, right? This is this is happening, right? Yeah, it has been happening, it will happen again, right? Um, that's what this is about. So, you know, kind of gets after your second question. Um, 
you know, what leadership can do, I think, you know, uh, emotional intelligence is going to play again, uh, just like with the pandemic situation. Yeah. Um, because everybody is not going to be seeing, looking through the same lens about um, things that are happening in our nation right now. And so, um, you know, just be aware of that. And, and you know, how, how are you going to shape the things that you say and the way you respond in a, in a, in a conversation um, to to uh, ensure that communication is effective, right? Because it can quickly break down. I was talking to a chaplain about this before we came in and did this podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, you know what it's about for me, and I feel like for some of our airmen, you know, my daughter, you know, I've said this several times on the other podcast, is is an airman. She's stationed at Langley, and so um, you know, for for her, this situation just hit different, right? And so she was. There was a lot of things. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on for everybody. Everybody's uh, stress is at a heightened level, and so you know, after you know, hours-long conversations about this, you know, she was definitely emotionally impacted and, and was having, you know, it was taking a toll on her, and so she was apprehensive about coming back to work over the weekend um, because she doesn't work with a lot of people that look like her, right? You know, most of the people that she works with in the hospital, um, you know, are are white. Yeah. So. Um, prior to this situation, you know, what she was given from other people, you know, when they were communicating uh, w- within a professional environment, gave her the impression that, uh, you know, there are some, some racial undertones that uh, made her uncomfortable uh, when topics would come up that weren't even as um, uh, provoking as the issue that we have now with George Floyd, right? So now she was really uh, nervous to be put in the work environment knowing that she has heard her quote-unquote teammates make uh, remarks that she didn't agree with about other situations and now she knows that it's only it's only a matter of time that they're going to cross the line Yeah. You know, when you have unfortunate situations like with looting and, you know, protests turn violent to, to take the focus away from, from, from what's happening, then how, how is a human being, a young, a young human being that obviously is very opinionated as a 23-year-old can sit there and, and, and not say something, right? Um, you know, I, I, I felt for her, you know, I, I, but, but I also know that that's probably happening within our within our group right now, right? You know, people or we people that look like me are are always put in, into those type of situations. So you know, that's what it's about having that emotional intelligence to recognize. You know, I think that's why it's it was great that Chief Wright, you know, um, set the stage uh, along with uh, General Goldfein, uh, General O'Brien. Um, for those that uh, hadn't seen her email that she put out, she put out a great. Uh, email uh, to uh, uh, intelligent professionals and, and cyber professionals um, talking about some of her experiences um, and how she started to to see the world a little bit differently after um, her time in in Alabama so um, as leaders I think that is huge right because if we um, you know set the stage or set the temperature within our workspaces, to ensure that there's healthy discourse and professional discourse, then my daughter wouldn't have to walk into a situation where she feels like, you know, these quote unquote potential racists yeah. are going to say something that is going to get me in trouble because I'm not going to know how to control my my emotional reaction to something that I thought was just way overboard. And I was already dealing with a lot of, you know, stressful things in my life, right? So, so that's what it that's what I would want, um, you know, as a group superintendent for our leadership to, to really consider as they, you know, you know, try to ch- find an opportunity uh, during these challenging times. I think there's uh, something you, you, you had touched on and, and also General Goldfein. Uh, he, uh, he uh, for those who haven't seen the chief right and general Goldfin also posted a six minute video maybe seven minutes yesterday uh, just kind of addressing some of these topics and one of the things that general Goldfin said 
was um, he mentioned just talking about like you know what we can do at the squadron level, and I think that's important because I know a couple years ago he posted or he he had his big message about revitalize the squadron, and to me like that's the specifically when I hear that, uh, I think that starts at the flight level, right? So I think the um, uh, the key to every squadron, you can make that change at the at the flight level. And it's not just one, and that's what you kind of uh, tied it in, Chief. It's not just one solution that's going to solve everything. It's going to, going to be uh, a bunch of uh, small victories. Um, so another thing that I wanted to ask you is, again, just as uh, a black male who happens to be the group superintendent, do you feel like the and for any, uh, um, whether it's black males or, or black uh, black women, or some type of leadership position, do you feel like you're, uh, do you feel like that uh, the added pressure, you know, is on your shoulders because of like people, uh, members of uh, your community, or are kind of putting a, a additional pressure? Or do you feel like people are waiting to see like what you say or what you do? Uh, probably during times like this, yeah. Yeah. Right? You know, um, you know, I have personal experiences, you know, I've you know, my first time out the gate as a as a chief, as a squadron superintendent. Just a quick story. You know, we had a situation where um, one of the airmen and, and the unit uh, came to work um, with uh, uh, hair that was actually we had two airmen that were uh, African American. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, came came to work with some some questionable uh, hair color, right? So at the flight level, they, they were trying to, to figure out what's the best course of action they should, should take because they, they felt uncomfortable uh, for whatever reason to um, you know, address the situation head on, right? So the short of it is, you know, you know, the flight chiefs came to me, you know? Yeah. For the sole reason that I, African-American chief, maybe I could have a connection with them uh, the, these airmen and you know smooth it over a little bit easier than they could right and so yeah to, to your point you know there's always some not all I shouldn't say always but sometimes there's that there's that thought with a lot of people um, to to you know uh, go that route or utilize you know my position because I, I am a person of color but I happen to obviously be in a position of leadership that you know I, I I can be relied on to handle or speak on certain things and certain so forth, so they don't have to. Right? Yeah, and so I think that's more of so where I would point that that discussion, that topic, right? And I think that's 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 why it, it is, you know, speaking out loud, important to be un be comfortable with the uncomfortable conversations because Chief Wright can't come and save you, Chief Trish can't come and and, and save the conversation, right? Um, you know, because uh, more often than not. Uh, it, it's it's usually because I came up in, in an Air Force to where it wasn't until I was 15 years or more in service to where I wasn't the only one, the only black person in my shop or or in yeah in my immediate area. You know um, that was that was common for me. That was my way of, of military life, right? And so there was. There was nobody for my leadership to, to go to who looked like me to say, hey, can you have a chat with, with Airman Trish? Because I was a handful. Did you have a chat with Airman Trish? No. They had, to, they had to face whatever topic or issue head on, right? And so I was fortunate that I, I, I did have some, some, some great supervisors. But um, I would ask that, you know, that's, again, uh, you know, when we think about unconscious you know, bias and, you know, you know how, do our, how does our, our subconscious plays into, you know, some of the decisions that we make as leaders uh, or, as, or even as followers or as teammates um, that, uh, you know, uh, you, people may perceive their actions to be one way, but obviously uh, the person on the other side uh, could perceive it to be another. And so, yeah, those are some of the things, you know, I would speak to as somebody who's in a position of leadership that happens to be you know, a person of color that uh, potentially they could deal with. But uh, on that, so what about for those um, and members of any color uh, in a leadership position, if they're afraid to have those conversations? And I know we've, we've kind of talk, talked about that previously uh, in this episode, but I want to just kind of dive deeper into it. So I think people like they're afraid or they don't know how um, or they don't have that trust or that rapport with people. But 
you know, again, like it's, it's, it's critical for us as senior leaders um, just to have those conversations. But what's your advice to anyone that needs to, that uh, wants to mentor or is supervising someone that doesn't look like them? So it goes back to, you know, getting to know the person, you know, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation, right? Yeah. You know, many of us enjoy those feel-good movies like Remember the Titans <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the Blind Side and, yeah. you know, these movies that have racial undertones, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, you have characters that, you know, are on opposing sides of the social spectrum at the beginning of the movie, but uh, at the end of the movie, you know, they're walking away holding hands, kumbaya. right? There, like it's kumbaya moment, right? Um, you know, as cheesy as that sounds, you know, there's there's a truth there's a truth to the message that is being sent by the situations that are being depicted in you know on film. There's truth to that, right? Because in in just in those two movies that I that I brought up, for example, you know, um, there wasn't a lot of of knowledge and understanding at the beginning of the relationships, um, but then along the way they got to know one another, and so when it came to a place where you know, uh, a coach needs to discipline or provide advice to the football team on how uh, he can get them in shape to win a championship. And and it's not about color. It's not about social issues. Yeah. You know, this is about winning, right? Um, black or white, they were more inclined to listen to, you know, the coach or the team captain because they they got to know each other right they went through some things together you know they they had that that understanding you know and so when it's now time to to practice harder or put in the extra work and the coach is like i'm not being hard on you because you look like this i'm being hard on you because i know that's what we need to win the championship um you know those kinds of things that you know to 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 point it back to uh, to, to people that are wearing the uniform, um, if I'm a supervisor and you know maybe my background is one where I, I there wasn't a lot of diversity and uh, um, now I'm thrust into a diverse environment and I'm you know charged with supervising people that uh, you know don't look like me or come from way different backgrounds and their worldview is totally different from mine. That uh, it is your responsibility to get over all of that and. You have to start somewhere, and it doesn't have to be. You know, it never has to start out with you. Like, you know, how is it? How is it growing up for you as a black person, or as, yeah. a, as a Hispanic person, or, or whatever the case is? You don't have to even go there at the beginning. Really, it's about, you know, showing that you care enough to ask, as a human being. All right, if you're supervising an airman who lives in the dorms, um, taking interest in, you know, their life and what it's like for them living in in the dorms. Because um, I, I would guarantee the more interest you show in benign things along the way, you'll get there. You'll get to know a little bit more. People will start to open up to you. If they're not an open book immediately, that's that's what we call establishing rapport, right? And so, very important, you know, especially when we talk about, um, you know, uh, diversity and, and leading uh, a, a diverse team. Uh, yeah. That, uh, you got to start somewhere. You can't shy away from from uh, having conversations. But you know, a lot of it is about fundamentals. So if you can't do the most basic things, you're never going to get to a point to where, you know, you pull everybody into uh, a room and all right, let's talk about George Floyd and the protests that are going on. Right? People are going to look at you like, what? We we about to do what? I mean, there should be some like because people I think some people think like just talking about the subject. And it, I think it is to an extent like the fundamental, but that to me the fundamental is trust, right? And but there's steps, things you have to do to build that trust. Absolutely, members at yeah. all levels. So um, to where, and then it's not as awkward. So and I can you know because I think for you, like I talk to you and I'm like, hey, I just want to talk to you about George Floyd. It wasn't like, uh, hey, I want to talk to you about um, hmm. you know, uh, social climate. Like it was just head on. Like, hey, let's talk about this. Um, I do have a couple other notes, Chief, but before I do that, I just want to see, was there any other talking points or anything else that you wanted to share? Or do you kind of like where the, the <laughs> where I'm going? No, you're doing a good job. Uh, I don't think I have anything, uh, you know, specific. I, I would, you know, I, 
this isn't easy, right? Um, yeah. To to figure out, you know, what is what is the best way forward? You know, if if there is being a if if a call to have civil discourse within our military ranks is is out there, um, you know, what does that look like within our group? I don't know, right? Because I know right now your unit, some of the other units in our in our group are um, having small sessions. I'm, I'm going to, you know, participate yeah. in a in a session tomorrow with you, with your unit, and same with uh, the 324th. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have all the answers. You know, I think that's, I think it's okay to say that, right? You know, I may not, I may not articulate something in a way that is going to reach, you know, everyone in a forum that I'm a part of, right? You know, a lot of what I say may fall on deaf ears, you know. You know, I know I, how I feel about everything that's going on, right? I think that, um, you know, to a degree, there's there's still some misunderstanding, you know? Um, I think that we have a tendency, uh, especially as intelligence analysts, to overanalyze and to, to latch on to something specific and think that, uh, all right, I, I, I got it, this is what this is about. Um, and I'm going to uh, focus my efforts and my attention in this one area because this is this is extremely complex, right? And so you know we are essentially opening up Pandora's box, and so you just have to be willing to be able to to be along for the ride, do your part, you know, uh, educate yourself, uh, open a book, listen to a podcast, um, watch a movie. Watch a documentary. Uh, I was talking to Chaplin again before we came in here. I just watched uh, 16 shots uh, on Showtime um, about uh, Laquan McDonald. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know. I there's so many things out there that I recommend yeah. uh, folks. You know, kind of immerse themselves in just to kind of uh, scratch the surface on on why topics like this are so emotionally charged, right? So, you know. If, since you asked me if, the, if there was anything to express, you know, it would be that, you know, just, I don't think we, we can sit idly by and, 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 and just allow people on the outside to influence the information that is coming to us. You know? Yeah. Play an active role in, in shaping the information that you're putting into your mind um, so you can be a participant in some of the dialogue, right? Because that's what's needed. So that's not something that we learn in school. I didn't, half of the information I have about the history behind some of the things that are happening within the, the justice system and things that have happened in history didn't come from a classroom, at least not when I was in elementary school or high school. I had to go seek that when I was, you know, uh, taking classes online, you know, going to college and things of that nature. Yeah. Or opening up a book or or you know seeking out a documentary or you know finding the knowledge somewhere else and so uh, i would venture to say since most of us had a similar educational experience in the united states that it's incumbent upon our leaders to to do the same so. that's great i love that response because it actually that was that was a talking point i was going to get to was whether or not do we always have to be vocal to show, uh, show support right and and when I'm talking about we, I'm not meaning people of color. I'm talking about just just white people, right? And I think um, there's more than just there's different ways to show support, right? Obviously, social media is one, but reading books, watching documentaries, um, just educating your, uh, ourselves, you know, people just doing like the uh, the self research um, that goes a long way. It does. I think I I me personally, I think you hit the nail on the head that. Um, you know, you don't have to be vocal to show support, right? Uh, I got a, uh, a beautiful email from a, from a really good friend of mine, um, uh, Caitlin Seema, uh, this morning. And uh, I told her in my response, you know, to sum it up, I told her in my response, you know, you know, thank you for your kind words. But I knew, you know, I know her well enough to know, her and her husband, Scott, I know them both well enough to know that even without them reaching out, I, I, yeah. I, I feel I feel when they're when when they're pained over something like this, I feel it. Right? I I know you know even if words are never said, you know I know how they're feeling because I know them. Right? Just based on you know interactions and, and our relationship. Yeah. And so I know that they they will 
read more books, do more research, talk to more people, open their networks up even more just to, to better understand. And so with just short of, the, of, of they're in Saudi Arabia, just short of them going out and, and you know, participating in a protest, um, which is the type of person Scott is, her husband, that um, others can do the same, right? They can open a book, they can talk to people, they can listen. I think a lot of this is, is, is also about listening, right? You know, we, we hear things, what people are saying on, uh, you know, in certain circles, but are we actually listening? Yeah. And, and that's what I, you know, out of everything else, if we, if we are not listening to what is happening around us and the, 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 some of the comments and the, and, and the context, and the context in which things are being delivered that, uh, um, you know, your desire to support is, 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 is not going to be where it can be. You know, and I, and I applaud anyone's effort to trying to, to, to uh, light the fire in their belly to, to uh, you know, walk in solidarity with, the, with uh, what is going on. Uh, but, um, yeah, you, it's easy for some. They can just listen and educate themselves a little bit more. To include myself, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not just for people that don't look like me. It's for people that look like me as well. Right. So I would say the same for... Uh, you know, a lot of our black airmen um, educate yourself as well. Right? Yeah. So I know my, my family, we, we're sharing books and, and, and doing all of that, um, you know, in light of, you know, our closer connection due to the pandemic. So I think when, uh, when everything just really kind of, um, this is a very volatile situation. And it's more than just, when I say situation, I don't mean just George Floyd, because there, that was just kind of the... Um, it was, it was boiling before that, right? And I think it's been uh, years and even hundreds of years. But uh, as this, everything, as the uh, the conversation started gaining steam, I just think about, I think when I was seven years old, I watched the movie, The uh, Ernest Green Story. It's got uh, Morris Chestnut, for those who aren't uh, familiar with him. And if you see Morris Chestnut, you'll know like who he is because he's in like so many movies. But he's not like a like an absolute, I wouldn't say an A-list actor, but he's definitely a good actor. But... Um, and that's one of those movies that when I was seven or eight, I watched, and it kind of shaped um, shaped my thinking uh, in a lot of ways. Um, so I encourage anyone to, who hasn't seen that movie to check it out. Um, oh, the question I meant to ask you earlier was uh, when I was, I think I was stumbling through my question, but do you feel added pressure to represent your community, right? So when I was talking about as a black man who just happens to be the group superintendent, um, well, yeah, we, you know, um, to, to, to quickly touch on that again, we, we is in my family, you know, we were having some back and forth about, you know, to post or not to post, right? A lot of the, my cousins are uh, younger than I am, you know, they, they, they are similar in age to a lot of our NCOs and airmen, and so very active on social media, right? You know, very, very engaged on, um, you know, that aspect of, of you know voicing their opinions or their emotions you know whether it's on uh, Instagram or uh, Facebook or TikTok whatever they're using right? right and so you know for me you know <clears throat> the top the issue of feeling res- a responsibility to to share I think I'm doing that right now right you know I think you know my position in the military doesn't necessarily allow for me to obviously do certain things not to say i couldn't post on social media um you know i I, that's just not my forum right right i don't have a strong social media presence uh to where i'm always sharing thoughts on on certain things but i love this this element uh, of you know being able to use my own words right and i have to type with a pencil uh to try to get (laughs) get my point across so yeah you know I, i i did Again, that's why I jumped at the opportunity. You know, I, I don't necessarily think it's everyone's responsibility. You know, I think it's it's everyone's personal prerogative. Um, you know, if, if somebody that looks like me is in a position that I am, to to, to come out and say something uh, during these times. Um, so uh, I didn't feel pressure, so to speak, but I definitely uh, wanted to engage and dive right in uh, to the topic. Um, you know, given the the the, the, the tempo. Uh, of of how things have kind of escalated, yeah, really quickly. Um, what do you think about this name for the episode? Uh, 
it's not time to lecture it's time to listen or something like that i think yeah a time to listen yeah time to listen a time to listen not lecture yeah right i like that i like that um i had talking points but you just you hit on everything without even me uh it's like we have espn or something I did want to ask you, so I listened to a podcast with Arian Foster, um, former NFL running back, no relation to me. He was on a podcast, uh, I think, on Monday. Um, but he just talked about, and for him, he was uh, obviously in 2016 when, when Colin Kaepernick uh, was kneeling during the National Anthem, um, or peacefully protesting during the National Anthem at football games. Uh, Arian Foster was one of the players that followed suit, right? And I don't remember exactly how many NFL players during that time uh, support uh, Kaepernick and uh, and just overall movement. But one of the things you know during that podcast, and I, I'm going to the question, same question for you, is how can people feel patriotic when there's a feeling of, of a country that's not that that's not having everyone's back, right? And I thought that was pertinent to, and this is not just you as a group superintendent, but this is to any member of the military of any background. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's deep, right? Yeah, you know that's 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 very deep. You know, I think that um, when I used to get my hair cut, uh, you know, quick story um, when I when I used to have hair, <laughs> I used to go to a barber. Believe it or not, um, get my fade tight. So I go to the barber as probably some some people on, on the listening to this knows that a lot of conversation you're talking, a lot of discussions about social issues of the day or music art whatever it is but um you know so the barbershop i went to barber shut me up and you know he's asking what i did or what i do you know told him i was in the military and so he's never been affiliated with with the military at all no family members or anything like that so you know he had his own opinion about oh you could do that as a black you know black dude you can you think that's 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 cool you know not not in a rude way but you know just you know just a little banter um but that that is not uncommon right and so you know to your to your question to answer your question about you know how how difficult is it to to remain patriotic i think that's everybody's uh anybody that looks like me or 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 who is a person of color um or or not right you know because just because you, 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 you could be white and still feel like the situation is, is so crazy right now. Yeah. You know, how can I believe in a, in, a, in a government or in a society that treats their people this way, right? So, um, you know, that extends beyond, you know, the African-American community. Um, I think everybody has to answer that question for themselves, right? You know, we, we all joined military service for, for our own reasons, right? And then for many of us, if you're senior in rank, um, along the way, you you really are all in uh, to 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 an extent, and so it is never easy when things like this happen. There are so many examples that I won't get into yeah. right now uh, of that that challenge your you know uh, internal fortitude uh, and resolve to um, be all in. Um, but uh, I think for many of us, we recognize that we're here because of the bonds that we have formed with our teammates yeah and it, and it transcends you know our patriotism isn't just about looking at an american flag or you know laying our lives on the line you know because a lot of what we do are for the other people that we're serving with you know i truly believe that uh you know as we're building trust with one another that uh that that is that is the ultimate sign of patriotism the fact that if you and i actually went to a combat environment and it came down to it that uh you know uh somebody tossed a grenade and we're looking at each other that you know maybe we would even fight to see who's going to jump on the grenade to save the other person right you know at its core when it comes to the profession of arms i think that's what uh patriotism for us speaks to and uh i think that's what gets us through um some of these difficult times right to where we're not necessarily seeing eye to eye with uh, with certain things that are happening within our society, and you know we may be you know driven to do things just like you see with 
the National Guard, uh, you know, playing their part and, and, you know, some of the response to the protests. Um, you know, they're just being asked to do their jobs, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean they don't have an opinion. Right. Uh, about the situation. And so, you know, I venture to say that uh, that's their ability to wake up in the morning and continue to put on that uniform when being called uh, potentially to a protest where they have a family member walking, right? Yeah. How crazy is that? Um, that they could still, in turn, the next day, put on the same uniform and go out and do it all over again um, because uh, the reason they do it isn't necessarily, it, it represents so much more than just uh, a cloth because um, uh, of the bonds that we build with the people that we work side by side and potentially could even give our lives for. So, Man, that's awesome. Um, man, that's... I don't really want... Is there any other parting shots or anything else you want to put out there? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've been on here a long time. I know you're going to chop chop and screw this up, you know, not in a not in a bad way. If you don't know what chop and screw is, yeah, look it up. It's just a form of music. Anyway, uh, I, I really wanted to express that, um, you know, for our leaders to to get to know your, your airman stories, you know. Many years ago, they had the campaign, Every Airman Has a Story, and um, what better time than to uh, uh, see, you know, and learn what some of the experiences are that, uh, you know, some of our men and women of color uh, uh, have gone through, right? Um, you know, I at one point when uh, I had my promotion ceremony when I made chief, you know, I, I first thing in my mind is I wanted to, in my speech, Put it all out there like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go out there and talk about the many times and challenges that i had as a as a black man uh coming up through the ranks and what i had to deal with over the course of many assignments um uh but ultimately i i, I pulled pull it back and I didn't, I didn't go that route but uh <laughs> but i missed an opportunity right to to share a little piece of of the "Quote unquote black experience for somebody um, wearing the uniform, um, just how how I saw it, um, and uh, you know if, if 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 I could turn back the clock and do it again, you know I would I would definitely um, put some elements of what I really originally wanted to talk about in, into that because I think it's important because it wouldn't have been for uh, it would it, it wasn't necessarily therapy for me, you know I, I failed to recognize you know how I could have." of reach somebody else sitting in that audience, right? You know, whether it's uh, a future leader, a future supervisor who doesn't look like me, yeah. or an airman who, who does, right? Because um, you'd be surprised. And I, it surprises me when I find out how surprised other people are who have no experience or who haven't experienced or seen um, situations of racism, especially within our ranks, when they find out that it's happened or, or some unfortunate things that are currently happening to some of our military members, and so I think that's what it's about. The more you, the more we share, and the more we we seek out and and try to figure out what some of those things are. That's the only way we're gonna, you know, start to grow and understand one another. So that's it. There's nothing else I can add that would, because you're just, you're going out like on on high notes and um, you're crushing it. So I, th I think um, no. Hey, Chief, um, anything else that you want to share or anything else? I think that was, that was great. If no, I think uh, I, was, I could rant yeah. all day, and uh, I know you don't want to hear that, neither has Sergeant Whitehouse has been standing this whole time, so he's a beast. Um, no, I just appreciate the opportunity, and, uh, you know, as always, you know, I, I say it as many times as I can that uh, my door is always open, um, you know, whether it's physically or virtually since, uh, you know, we're in, still in kind of a pandemic environment. Um, I would love to have dialogue with anybody that wants to, to talk about whatever, whatever maybe sparked their curiosity. And so, um, uh, yeah, I just encourage, uh, uh, again, you know, try to open a book that you wouldn't have read before, watch a movie or a documentary that you wouldn't have read before talk to someone and, and that, that maybe you feel like you have a rapport with and that would be willing to share 
some of their experiences. I guarantee, you know, yeah. if you ask uh, some people, they will tell you, right? Um, and so, you know, for, for some, it could be uh, an eye opener, all right? And so it can help shape why things are currently the way they are and why, you know, uh, some of the situations have gotten to the point that they have. So that's it. You know, I just, you know, one team, I love how you, when you go into an army post here, uh, I've been going in a general chapter, for yeah. chapter, they look at your ID card and, uh, you know, they, the, 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 the card, the Sentinel will tell you, one team, one team, whoop, right? I love that. So, you know, it definitely speaks to uh, us here in the That's ISRG, good. you know, it's, it's one team, whether, whether, you know, you're, you're, you're me or Sergeant Whitehouse, Sergeant Foster, um, uh, we're, we're all in this together. So, um, let's, let's conduct ourselves as one team. So. I love it. Hey Chief, just um, just thank you for this opportunity. Just thank thanks for taking time out of your schedule, and just for your, for your always con- uh, continued support. Uh, this means the world to me that you're willing to have this conversation with me. And on a personal note, like more than because you're more than uh, a chief, right? You're a person. So just you as Warren, you're someone that I have nothing but love for, admiration, and respect. Like I just I, I look up to you, and I just I, I think. Uh, yeah. So you're jumping on a grenade. I'm jumping on, like like Chris Evans and okay. uh, Captain America. I'm gonna <laughs> jump on that grenade. So yeah. Uh, but I appreciate and respect you and just uh, again just this, thanks for being a shining example. All right, everyone. That wraps up for today. Um, we're trying to do a right thing. Trying to do a positive thing. Just trying to drive conversation and progress, evolve, whatever action verb you want to we, uh, we want to use. Just. Um, yeah, like check out 16 shots if you have showtime. Check out 16 shots. 16 shots. <laughs> One thing I will ask is we want to hear your comments. So a uh, question, uh, I'm going to post this when I post this on the Facebook page. I want to hear what was your favorite quote or lesson from this episode. Just let me know in the comments. Again, I'm going to post that on the Facebook page. Uh, Chief Trish was dropping a lot of uh, gems, uh, gems, nuggets, uh, some, some good stuff. Um, yeah, just if you want to show your support, uh, that's how you can do it. All right, everyone, that wraps up for today. Thanks for listening. Foster out.